0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Superwomen and you've heard me interview Latham Thomas, the founder of Mama Glow before. As I like to remind everyone, she helped me birth my three children. So um, that is a moment that you can never unbond from somebody on. (laughs) So welcome, Latham, again. Thank you so much for
1: having me, Rebecca. I love you.
0: I love you too. So I would love to chat today. You know, we had a phone call, whatever day it was, Monday. Ooh, I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, just about how, and you said something that really has sat with me and was so poignant. There is so much talk about death right now. And you are focusing on bringing life into the world and teaching others to bring life. And more importantly, teaching others to bring life to women of color and black women who are more likely to die in childbirth. So I would love for you to share again, in case people miss that episode, like what you do and how you're sort of approaching this mindset at this time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my work is um, rooted in supporting people at the beginning of the life cycle, right? And um, in the pregnancy phase, a lot of it obviously is connected to supporting people through abortion and loss birth and breastfeeding and um along that continuum you know i think that what i've come to learn is that there's so many uh systemic gaps and barriers uh to safety to equity and um really a huge amount of um the focus of the work is around how we can create change and make this a more equitable process. Um, Also look at the entire reproductive continuum as worthy of our attention and support and not just isolate certain parts of that continuum. And so we know that there are structural barriers for certain populations. And when we look at women of color specifically um, at the childbearing window, we see that You know, today, currently, because I know I did the podcast a while ago and and the stats were different then. Today, um, Black women are now four to five times more likely than white women to die during childbirth or due to childbirth-related causes. And those numbers soar when you get to cities like New York City, where it becomes eight to 12 times. And during a time of COVID, we've seen a lot of um, sort of gaps in the system where people have slipped through as a result of medical negligence, as a result of um, not being witnessed, seen and heard, not having adequate care, not having diagnoses and interventions. And so this is something that's always happened, but it's been exacerbated by the moment we're in. And so really what I'm here to do and what I'm here to sort of um, support is more education, more access to resources, um, you know, making sure there's more access to doula care and then also supporting different types of birth options, right? There's hospital, there's birth center, and there's also out a hospital birth in the home and for people to find the option that makes most no sense for them, but to make sure that they feel empowered, they have a provider that they trust and have, um, the support that they deserve really, which is, you know, everyone should have access to a doula regardless of their financial status, regardless of where they live and, um, and what they can afford, they should be able to have that support. And so um, we're, we're trying to work towards that, obviously. And through our doula training, which is um, now gone online as a result of COVID, we had to really shift our model for education to be online and what we found is so many people are willing and and want to do this work and um and want to go into their communities to support because this moment has driven people to a place where they have become active. And so I just feel so grateful that there's so many more people concerned about this moment and that are putting their attention like you have to figuring out solutions and um and to figure out how we can Build a future, right? That that's changing the the face of um, maternal health and improving it for for um,
0: everyone. I love that. I think until uh, you know, sadly, until you sort of know what you're in for when you're in labor, everyone needs a doula, especially I think. And I don't want to speak for you know women of color, but if if there is just a small risk that you're going to be treated differently or judged differently or not advocated to. You know, if it is your first time having a baby, your partner, let me just say this your partner, as trained as they could be, but a doula is, and they can help be that advocacy voice for you and and just that other person in the room to make sure you're okay. So I'm glad that you say it it shouldn't just be dependent on your income, Mm -hmm. that it can be for anyone. Um, and there's ways to support, like you had mentioned, you can sponsor a doula for a family, right? Like what are all the ways Mm -hmm. that that people can help others who might not have, you know, the means to find a doula or are there resources to find, you know, more affordable doulas in some cases? Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, I think everybody, depending on where you live, you know, research sort of the community-based doula organizations in your region. There's a lot of people who do work that's either on a sliding scale, So depending on your income level and, and sort of what your needs are, uh, folks will adjust so that it can meet your, um, needs. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two is, you know, if you have someone who's like in your family or a friend, you know, um, that is pregnant and on this journey, you know, folks can pool to put money in to invest in them having doula support, having even virtual doula support, especially during the time of COVID where you know, folks might be going into their birthing process alone or with a partner, or maybe they don't have a partner, right? And they're showing up with people who are not necessarily educated in, um, in sort of the how to navigate the medical system. And so, being able to have those advocacy tools and that education ahead of time could be amazing. So, even you know, getting doula, um, virtual doula support for a friend contributing to the education of a doula, like you had mentioned donating for someone to take their journey and to do the training. And there's so many trainings. I think that, you know, you find what resonates for you and you can just, you know, sponsor one student, you can maybe sponsor more, or it could be a thing that you do um, annually that you allocate a certain amount of money to, to sponsoring um, a student. I think there was, there's, there's a beautiful, Thing that happens when you think about like the power of yourself and the power of one and what one person can do. And by example, there's um, a woman who decided that she was going to film her home birth and she did so um, for uh, raising funds for um, black and LGBTQ plus birth workers. And she was able to raise $30,000 through the live stream. And she did this all through social media, but like one person, right? And so I think that's so important for us to know that it doesn't—you don't need to have a lot of money or resource, but you know, just like a willingness to want to make a difference. That just one student that you sponsor could potentially save so many lives and, and impact so many um, births because and birth outcomes because of the education that you were able to invest in that person. So I think if we think about the ripple effect, that's really powerful and and it can empower us to actually you know make a difference and not think that oh because I don't have like I'm not a gazillionaire I can't do it right. but I think those are some simple ways that we can do it and I think also like you know bringing your skill sets so if you're somebody who does web design or someone who is um, an entrepreneur or leadership there's the female founders collective which is so great as a resource for folks who are trying to do business stuff like you know, allocating some of that resource and and information to folks who are starting their businesses. It's really challenging if you're trying to do the work of being a birth worker, but also trying to navigate a business, it's hard to learn those skills. And so even bringing those types of things to people that are soft skills that they don't learn usually can be really helpful too. So I think it's just like finding your entry point for supporting people is the best way to do it. You know, like what resonates for you and and what's going to make you feel good about getting out your checkbook or getting out your or rolling up your sleeves, whatever that's going to be for you that you can do consistently, I think is important. And to remember, it's not just about this moment, it's about an ongoing commitment, right. To increasing um, birth equity and, and making sure that there's better access. And I just love that you're having this conversation because like nobody's having this conversation right. in this way. Like, you know, we see, you know, like you have mentioned, you know, such a focus on, on loss. And, and I understand because of what's happening right now, we do need to focus on the tremendous loss at the, at the hands of um, police violence and state sanctioned violence Um, that's happening um, to black and brown people. We also have to think about the fact that these are people, right. Who have full lives to live and that we need to be thinking about allocating resources and protecting black life um, before people become hashtags. Right. And so that has to be really our focus is, is also how do we invest in Mm -hmm. um, people and make sure that we are um, contributing and allocating resources and also modifying like how we have learned to be so that we can be in space and and recognize that all of us have unique needs, but um, we all have basic human needs. And, and what's most important right now is that this community be seen, be heard and, and, and be lifted, especially in times of great challenge. And so I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more people, you know, thinking about how they can um, change the systems that are already super oppressive to create more equity
0: for people to live fuller lives. There's so much talk about, there's obviously the overt racism, you know, yeah. that, that you've seen and you're like, Oh, that's racist. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in watching the 13th amendment film, I was like, Oh my God, this is so subtle. Mm-hmm. And it's so infectious. It's like, dare I say like a virus (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and it's that stuff you don't even know that you don't even know right you know and I think that creeps into hospital situations it you know it creeps into all kinds of places so I think that part of that is recognizing that and then you know being aware of it so that you're like oh wait someone is a person of color and they're coming into an environment that might be uncomfortable like let me let me know that yeah Mm mm-hmm Definitely. Um, So it, how does someone know, or what do you think if someone's like, should I be a doula? Should I not? Are there certain qualities, um, that people should look for or, or like, you know, to take on that
1: role? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you feel called to do this, you know, and I was certainly called and was definitely, not responding to the call for, for <laughs> a period of time because I'm just stubborn right So I took my time but then when it was time it, it was like I was like, oh yes, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be you know I think for um, the the skills and the um, relatable tools that I think folks will find um, that many of us have um, you know one is like a, being a good listener right and being able to be a non-judgmental presence are you someone who, can show up for your friends and family members and be, um, even killed and see all sides and be an, you know, an advocate or a supporter, be a cheerleader. I mean, these are all the things I think are important empathy, right. Being able to, to empathize, but also being able to have, let somebody have their own experience. Right. So just witnessing and supporting and handholding, it's just like a nurturing role, right. That many of us, um, already have, these skills, but we don't use them in the settings that we, um, traditionally work in. Right. And so I think what's really powerful about the doula path is that these skills become activated when you are in support of others. And, um, and a lot of people do this work when say, if you're a caregiver, right. A lot of these skills you activate during that, during, you know, working with children or looking after elderly or in hospice care, like all these you know, roles, you activate some of these skills as well. But what I think is so important is for people to, if they feel called to explore that, right? If you feel connected, even if you don't know if you want to be a doula in practice, but you just want to do the work of the training to explore and learn more and go deeper, even if it's for yourself, right? It is such a powerful education to have foundationally just as people who want to become more liberated in our bodies, who want to understand the deep sort of uh, colonization of even the language of our bodies and, and how we've been taught and framed to think about our bodies, like all of that we uncover in our training. And so we move from a place of, you know, exploring our own relationship with our bodies to coming into a place of right relationship and, and constant um, challenging of the systems that we have come to erect and believe in and buy into, and then figure out how we can tear down some of these walls and create, um, something new. And so that I think is really, um, important right now and needed. And so I feel like there's so many people who are aligned with that energy that could, that we could use, you know, as part of this movement to protect this experience for all birthing people, because, there are people who we need on the LGBTQ front, right? To make sure that we create more inclusive language and, and create more inclusive outcomes for their births and and create a pathway to birth that, that also supports their unique identities. Right. And then we have to make sure that we create a space for fathers, right. And, and partners who are coming into this process and who've been sort of siloed and not as integrated and doulas show up to sort of create that bridge and help, um, fathers and, and folks who stand in the role as father show up in a way where they can be active from the beginning. Right. And, and that they can, um, have a partnership with their, um, loved one in a way where it's sustainable and they're growing together through this process. Um, and so the doula kind of creates that bridge as well. And so I think like this, this education can be so helpful, irregardless of whether you use it to apply in the world as an actual doula. So it's worth it if you feel interested. But certainly if you want to be, if you want to help change anything, like understanding the, the underpinnings are really critical because then you can go in and do policy. Then you can go and do public health work. Then you can go do, you know, work in your communities and and talk to some of the leaders and counsel people and and put maternal health on the agenda, right? So I think it helps, regardless of what your goals are, and we can all work together and 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 do you know play our position, right? From you know and do whatever it is that we feel most inclined and most inspired to do. But I think it's something that you know one of the students last week from the training said you know, she had her daughter listening in and she said, you know, I'm making my kids do this as part of their homeschool to be a part of the doula homeschool program, because this is uh, information for their lives. Right. And so when you think about it like that, it's like, we are, we are creating a pathway for more liberation for the youth that are coming up for ourselves and for us to take back birth.
0: I love that. And I think that if anyone is like, okay, maybe being a doula is not for me. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a side to it of, you know, if you just care about women's rights, you know, there's been such a push on freedom of, you know, of our bodies. And, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this before, like abortion and everyone's yep. all worried about abortion. And you were like, Hey, what about more people dying in childbirth than people who want abortions. And it was like, and you said, you know, again, you're looking at the full life cycle of it. And so I think that even if you know that you're not called for this work, you should support it and talk about it and promote it because you will just help in that cycle of life, make sure that it starts off on the right foot. Yes, exactly.
1: Because we can all agree that we should be in the streets when it comes to access to contraception, access to you know, safe and healthy um, abortion or the right to choose. Like, we know that we should all be in the streets fighting for that, 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 that reproductive rights also include this idea of, um, you know, looking at the entire continuum, which is more like reproductive justice, right? Like making sure that whether it's a, a choice or not, because right now, a lot of the things that we have to do are based on legislation. right? Right? Based on our bodies being legislated against. So it's not really a choice if you're being legislated against. And so, so if we think about it, like, okay, here we are. And we have a framework where at every single juncture, whether you have menses, you get pregnant, you have a baby, um, whether you choose not to, uh, whether you have a miscarriage, whether you breastfeed, whether you move through perimenopause to menopause at every single of those junctures along the reproductive continuum, there is no support for you. Where is this? I would love to see where the support is because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And the only built-in support is doulas showing up and filling those gaps at those, those life events at those, at those junctures, educationally, resource-wise, hands-on being a cheerleader. Right. And so, we, we step in in a way that's really powerful, but we need to now sort of integrate this entire continuum, like weave it together, weave all these life stages and make sure that we advocate for each life stage, the supports that are necessary for people to actually be able to live their life and thrive. If you decide to have a baby, you should have access to resources when that child gets here. And especially if you're forcing people who decide that they do not want to, for whatever reason, carry out a pregnancy and they're being forced to to carry out pregnancies, where are the resources for those people that you're legislating against and telling them that they have to use their bodies in this way, right? Like, so I think that we're not even seeing the fundamental connection because by the way, the people who are choosing to have babies for whatever reason or having or having their pregnancies and they get to the end of that pregnancy they should be able to have their baby in the place of choice and survive the birth <laughs> like they should survive the birth it should not be a question of whether or not they will survive the birth like why are we not in the streets about that like we're in the streets about making sure we have access to safe and healthy abortion yes We should also be in the streets because people are dying in 2020 as a result of of childbirth. And we have all of the tools to to mitigate this. We have every single tool to mitigate this. So we know that it's it's an issue of systemic racism. We know it's an issue of medical negligence. We know it's an issue that has to be addressed on a on a global level, because we see these same statistics, by the way, in the UK um, for black women. So we know it's not just here. We have to address this and we have to address it head on. And then once we do that, by the way, because the stats are not great all around, like the stats are bad for black women. White women are dying too, but black women are dying worse, obviously. But the thing is, is if we improve this for black women, we will improve it for everyone. Everybody will do better when we fix it for the ones that are most marginal, the people who are really suffering right now, that's where we need to put the attention because everyone else will improve. Every, and, and, and that is what we should be sort of framing our discussion around. As how we should be thinking about, when we talk to policymakers, is how are we gonna fix this for black women? Because um, native women as well, by the way, same stats, native American women are four to five times more likely to die. Um, during childbirth um, than white women. So we see these these are very vulnerable groups. Um, So we have to all rally and say, like, even if I'm not trying to get pregnant, even if I'm well beyond those years, this is still my issue. This is a human rights issue. It is not a reproductive issue. It is a human rights issue. And and until we see it as that, we're really not going to get anything. We're not going to get ahead, right? So we have to start seeing that this is part of the same continuum. It's part of the same fight. And we're all really, we all really are in this together because by the way, like we need each other. We really do. And and I, and I need people to kind of, you know, just remember that. And as we as we do this work and that, that whatever you can do will make a difference. I mean, you saying like, let's make space on my platform to talk about this makes a difference. It's going to inform other people, right? So we have to find ways that we can um, reach people with information, but also create pathways for education, And also solution, because when we have solution, then we can start to apply that and we can start to improve outcomes. And it does take time. But once, you know, I think one of the things I'm learning about this moment is that so many people, by the way, have Googled home birth. So many people have Googled birth centers. Many people have Googled midwife and doula. And now all of a sudden you have people who are um, overwhelmed with requests to show up to, to serve people. And so that is something that we also want to see too, and how we can now build sustainable birth centers and out-of-hospital experiences for birthing people so that if you are healthy, you go into a maternity center or you go into a birth center or a home to have your baby and not a hospital. Like we need to revision this process and make it sustainable, but also center the needs of birthing people as paramount and really design a future that really supports all of us. You have
0: opened up a huge... Well, (laughs) because as, as you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, you know, when, when a woman dies in childbirth, unless there's like proof that it was premeditated, the doctor is like not necessarily charged, but it is a form of murder in a way when Mm -hmm. there is that negligence and I'm sure you could add up more women dying in childbirth um, than people that are being killed at the hands of police. And it's, it's like another whole layer of like, Oh my God, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
1: I know. (laughs) I I think that like, again, right. Because you don't see it, right. Right. You don't see somebody they're in an OR and something happens. You don't see it. You just hear about it after. Right. And then I think the other problem with statistics, right. Is that, you know, they say, you know, one death is a, a tragedy 100 is a statistic, right? And so it's like when it becomes more, when it becomes unmanageable when there's too many numbers that people just can't connect it back to a story. And so we have to remember to bring it back to a story. And, you know, for example, there was, um, recently during COVID, a young woman, Amber Isaac from the Bronx, and she had um, actually had help syndrome, which is, um, disorder where there's uh, platelets drop and the blood becomes really thin as a result. And so she didn't have the scrutiny because she wasn't going in for her appointments because the doctors were doing the whole observance via um, telemedicine. Right. right. So all of her appointments were like that. And then she didn't go back in for months where they could have diagnosed this. Okay. They decide to, the the day she was diagnosed, they did a C-section and pardon me, because this is like, you know, uncomfortable to hear, but they did a C-section and she coded on the table because her blood was like water because it was so thin. It wasn't clotting. They tried to revive her. They tried to do all these things. And her partner tells this, I mean, incredibly charged and hard to listen to story about this experience. And how they did not let him be with her, you know, um, his son, she did not get to meet her son, Uh. you know, before she died. And then, and he's here raising a newborn alone and using donor milk and having community step in to support him. And now he has been thrust into the line of a fire to become an activist. Right. (laughs) And he wasn't planning this for his life. Right. And so it's like things like this again, because of COVID, the, the gaps are, are bigger, you right. know, and, and, and it makes it so that people can slip in even more easily during this time. And so I think that it's important for us to, you know, as we talk about what's happening in this moment and how, you know, the, the conversations that are happening around, um, who's, who's dying and of what it's not even just who's dying of COVID of consequences of this moment and what it means when a, a system, a medical system is stressed, right? What that means for you and your care when you enter into that system, right? That is also um, what, what leads to poor maternal health outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, when we, when we put it like that, and and then like, as you said, and we don't have any accountability for doctors, you know, or, or hospital systems that have these outlandish, you know, maternal death rates, then you know, then we're also not creating accountability. And so that's really important right now too, is accountability. There's a really cool app actually coming called Earth, I-R-T-H, um, Earth app. And it's a really about, it's like a Yelp for um, birth. And so you can put in your experiences, a practitioner you work with. There's gonna be a lot of um, input from doulas as well, who've experienced working with practitioners, but it's really driven by the consumer because we need to talk about what our experiences have been, you know, in this process. And so they're going to do a lot around the experience of folks during COVID so that there is a database around what people's experiences were, how they were treated, things like that. But um, I encourage people to, to look to share their stories, um, you know, talk in spaces where You can, whether it's a blog or through social, to educate folks about what your experiences have been as well. And and to not enter into this process lightly or just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go and figure it out when I get there or just, you know, like everything will be fine because, you know, you have to go in educated. No matter who you are, you have to go in educated and and you have to have access to the right tools and supports Um, that's gonna, that's just gonna put you at a better advantage, regardless of the outcome. And, you know, Rebecca can speak to her experience of doing that, of, of saying like, I want to go in educated. I want to learn all I can. I want to be, you know, I want to do the yoga. I want to prepare my body. I also want to know as much as possible about the process so that when it happens, I can surrender to it. And that is what you were able to do for three births. And, Um, which was amazing. And so I think that, you know, having the foresight though, before all of this kind of stuff was even in our public purview, like I know I want to have a a certain type of outcome. I'm going to seek to do that how do I get there? Right. And exploring the options and learning. And we have so much access now, right. We have social media, we have all these accounts we can follow and there's all kinds of information online. And so consume what you can, but, but definitely know that like having the guidance and support of someone who is navigating this space with a very particular eye, and, and has um, information that can really support you in understanding how to move through this space and advocate for yourself, it's without question one of the best things that you can have. So I think it's a, an investment that you know people should make um, for themselves. And again, if it is something that you can't afford, it's cost prohibitive, there are ways and accesses to doulas for folks who cannot afford. So that should never be our excuse. There's always somebody, um, not your excuse, meaning that you can't find someone, but to know inside of this space, there are always people who are doing the work for the community. There's always um, a resource. And if you talk to someone and they aren't the resource, their commitment is to actually connect you with someone who is, right? That's part of our code of ethics too. If, If I can't serve you, I should pass you on to somebody who can. So know that that's the commitment, know that that's the work we're trying to do is create more access and better health outcomes. And so please, please make the investment, whether it's supporting a doula, whether it's hiring a doula, whether it's just learning more from doulas, listening to them, following them on social, amplifying them where you can, because that's that's really going to help us to bring into the consciousness um, more of what we want to do, which is to enlighten and inspire, educate folks to, to have, um, better outcomes, especially if we can't be present in these kind of moments, we want to make sure people have the tools they need.
0: I love it. So can you, can you share your resources of where people can sign up to do the work and, or if they're interested in becoming a doula and, or sponsoring a doula or buying, you know, putting money towards the doula for a family? Yeah, definitely. So if you're interested, you can find
1: us just mamaglow.com, M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W.com. We're on Instagram where we share a lot of information um, and actions and stuff. Um, That's just at mamaglow on Instagram. And then my personal is just at glowmaven. And I hear a lot of stuff around birth and advocacy tools and self-care. But really, you know, I think that if this is something that you feel called to do, you know, check us out on our website. If you subscribe to the mailing list, there's a lot of really great information that goes out weekly for folks. Join us for something, or if you feel compelled, just reach out and you can email us and, and talk about what it is that you'd like to do to support. And certainly we can point you in the direct, right direction of how to do that and how to be um, in, engaged. And we also have a bunch of resources on our website and resource guides um, and, and webinars that we host So those are free. So you should just go and try to like watch the entire bank of, of webinars to get more educated and then also read the resource guides for those so that you can learn more and, um, and consume as much as you can so that you have a more, more information, right. And more that you can share with others about what you're learning. I love you. I love you. Thanks for this. This was so lovely. I can't wait till we can play outside again.